realization that as parents striving for discipling our kids to Christ-likeness, it is important that we, it, it requires sacrifice. It doesn't just happen. for this episode of General Order 4. Today we're going to be discussing parenting and discipleship. I am joined on this episode by my wife, who is the host of the No Higher Calling podcast. Hello everyone, Uh, this is Simeon Brazel and uh, I'm here with my wife, Brittany. And uh, we are doing a joint episode today. So I am the host, one of the hosts of General Order 4, which is a podcast about discipleship. And Brittany? I have a No Higher Calling podcast, so probably half of you are my listeners and half of you will be his. So we are doing a joint podcast today because the episode that we are wanting to address has to do with both of our podcasts. So for those of you who don't know, General Order 4 is a podcast centered around the idea of discipleship and its importance in the church and its importance for the believer. And Brittany's podcast is for wives and moms. You can describe that a little bit for them. Yeah, so it's for women specifically, I, you tend to talk more to wives and moms, um, but really just finding all that God has for us as we are homemakers and wives and mothers and just trying to glorify Christ in that calling that he has given us in our lives. So this topic kind of crosses over into both of our territories as we talk about parenting and discipleship. Um, so we just thought that we would kill two birds with one stone and do a little bit different format than both episodes are, or both podcasts are usually used to, but good content. Yes. So my listeners are um, mostly pastors, assistant pastors, that kind of thing. So um, if Brittany's podcast would be a great resource for you, your wives, gentlemen, um, or anybody uh, that would, if you have young daughters or whatever, she's got some great content and um, has really been seeing some good success on her podcast. So you can send them that direction. Um, Today's topic, we're going to be talking about parenting and discipleship. And um, if you've been listening to my podcast for any period of time, we've gone through some of this content already, but we are going to revisit some of it just so that we can establish some groundwork before we kind of get into how parenting applies in discipleship. So if you have the capacity to get your Bible and turn to these passages, I would recommend you do that. Obviously, don't do that if you're driving, but if you can... Or doing dishes or holding babies. <laughs> yes, yes. So uh, if you can and you want to get your Bible out, I would think that would help you, but we're going to read the passages out loud for you. So we are actually going to start by defining what discipleship is. Um, on General Order 4, we had an entire episode called Di- Discipleship Defined. I believe it was the fourth or fifth episode. Um, and so some of this is coming from that. And we're going to start in Colossians chapter number 1. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Colossae, and he says in verse number 23, If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. And now he's going to talk about what his job as a minister is. Who now rejoicing in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. 
Even the mystery which hath been hid from the ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And so that's a little bit of a longer passage of scripture, but I wanted to read all of that because there's a lot in there. And the point is the apostle Paul points everything back to Christ. And he says that his job as a minister is to minister with the goal that every person matures to Christ likeness. And we get that from the end of verse number 28, where he says that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Now, that word perfect is not necessarily talking about what we would think of as perfect or having no flaws. What that word perfect means is complete or mature. And so in parenting, we deal with maturity. And what we are doing as parents is we are raising children, right? That's, that is what you are doing, if you realize it or not, but that's what you're doing. <laughs> you're raising children, and those children eventually are going to become adults. And part of your job as a parent is to make sure that those children become mature adults, not just physically, but spiritually. And if you've been listening to General Order 4 for any period of time, you'll know that we've talked quite a bit about how every person, not just the pastor, is to be a minister of the Word of God. And Paul says here that as a minister of the Word of God, you ought to have the goal that every person that you have impact over is developed or matured to Christ's likeness. So just for my audience here, clarify what you mean by everybody is to be a minister. What, what does that actually mean? Okay. The word ministry or ministering literally just means teaching God's word to other people. Okay. So we tend to use the word in Western culture minister to refer to a man who is over a church mm -hmm. or the pastor or, um, you know, depending on what denomination you are, you might have a different word for it. But that word is, we use that to refer to a person. Paul and th all throughout scripture, that word doesn't necessarily refer to a office. What it means is someone who teaches God's word to other people. And we can clearly find in scripture that every Christian is supposed to be doing that. Yeah, definitely. So there is a responsibility as a believer to have this ministry um, outreach, to have this discipleship as we have this, and we'll talk more about this, but this one-on-one -on -one investment of life. Um, and that's what so much of Simeon's podcast talks to is the discipleship model from believer to you know, mature believer to babe in Christ, this new believer. This episode takes a lot of that and we, we see the discipleship aspect of parenting. So obviously, if God entrusts a life or lives to us as parents, we are called to teach them, to invest in them. Yes, we need to feed them and clothe them and educate them. And, you know, we want to provide even the fun stuff for them, but so much more than that, falling under the stewardship, the responsibility that God has given us, not only as parents, but also as followers of Christ, we are charged with this responsibility of teaching our children and investing in our children. 
One of our go-to verses for this is in Deuteronomy 6, 7. It says, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. So much of this is the day in, day out, when you walk, when you lie down, when you rise up, morning, night, throughout the day, as you walk through your day, it is this investment of our life into theirs, this teaching, and not just teaching, but teaching them diligently, line upon line, precept upon precept. Discipleship, um, if you look in Mark chapter number three, um, the Lord gives a very clear, um, I'll I'll just read it because it, it makes it extremely clear. It's speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, it says, And he goeth up into a mountain, and calleth unto him who he would. And they came unto him, and he ordained twelve that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach. Jesus Christ is our example in everything in life. I think that is is pretty clear. I don't think anybody's going to argue with that one, that Jesus Christ is the example. And he gave an example of what ministry should look like. Now, most of us would say, that if we ministered our entire earthly ministry and then we died and we left 12 men who were strong in the faith, that that was a failure. At least most pastors would say that I failed if my church only had 12 men in it. But that's what Jesus did. And Jesus isn't a failure. So he spent the time to invest in the few so that the impact on the world would be much more enormous than if he spent the time trying to invest in the huge crowds that followed him around. So well, he preached fact- He preached to them, but they weren't what was the focus of his ministry. The focus of his ministry were those that would come up and it says, and that they should be with him. And the point of discipleship is to point people to Christ and teach them to spend their time with him. And as a parent, what better thing could you do for your child? Yeah, for sure. And the, the fact of life is there's only so much of us that we can invest. So we can try to invest more into few fewer people, or we can try to invest into a broader spect, but we're not going to be able to really have that transfer transfer of life that we're talking about here through this discipleship model, just because the broader it gets, the less of you that there is to give. And God sets that example as he, as Simeon said, he preached to the masses. He gave truth to the masses. But as far as this discipleship example, he had his inner circle, his close ones that he poured himself. They ate with Jesus. They walked with Jesus. As it said, when, when he lied down, they were with him. When he rose up, they were with him. They, they experienced life with Christ. And that was what made this discipleship difference in their life. And what more, what better example do we see that really in this, this parent and child relationship where they are with us, we are with them all the time. Um, and, and so much of the, this process of the parent child relationship as we rear them and as we see them grow, not only in physical maturity, but spiritual and emotional and mental maturity is this transfer of life. The growth that, that transfer of life, like you're talking about, you know, our pastor says quite often that the Christian life is the life of the eternal one or the mm-hmm. life of Christ in you. Um, that is 
that's the life that you have. That's the only reason that you can spend eternity in heaven is because you have the life of Christ in you because your spirit was born dead. You needed his spirit in you. The co- My co-host, uh, Pastor Brian Stewart on uh, General Order 4, in one of the early episodes, um, I pulled a quote and I used it in the intro to the episode because I thought it was really good. But he said something to the effect of, discipleship is an investment of life into another person and that the life that you're investing is the life of Jesus Christ into that other person. So when you are discipling another person, you're teaching them God's word, yes, but you're using your personal experience, the way God has worked in your life, how he's changed your life, your personal stories alongside what the word of God says, and you're you're reinforcing God's word with your own personal testimony in the life of that believer as you are teaching them and you're investing what Christ has done in your life into their life. And now that life of Christ is being invested in that person. So, Simeon, let me ask you just to clarify for my group of listeners, if they're kind of new to discipleship as as we are outlining it from the Bible, um, so often, um, even in, in our own personal experience with different ministries, is that discipleship was a Sunday school class or, you know, a, a couple week course that you go through with a group. And so we're talking a lot about this transfer of life. What exactly in, in brief parameters, I know you've spent almost a year of podcasts on this, but what exactly are, have we do, what have we come to believe discipleship looks like from the Bible? What exactly are we talking about when we talk about this investment of life and all that? Can you just kind of recap that for me? Okay, so let's just take a look at the life of Christ. What did Christ do? And is it something that we even can do? In some ways we can, in some ways we can't. I can't ask everyone that I'm discipling to quit their job to move into my house and spend 24 hours a day with me. (laughs) That's what Christ asked his disciples to do. (laughs) I'd have to feed them. Yeah. So I can't, I'm not going to do that. I can't do that. And they can't do that. Okay. That's not practical in the day and age in which we live and in in the environment in which we live. And perhaps there is a culture in the world where that's something that can be done. Um, This is not, we don't live in that culture. So that's not something that can be done. But, um, and I'm also not Jesus. So there's that. But um, what I can do is I can spend precious time with those individuals. Now, Jesus had 12 men with him. He had those 12 men with him 24 hours a day. Do you think that he sat them in 12 desk chairs and began to teach them and they were taking notes and he's writing on a whiteboard and, and, you know, they've got their little booklet and they need to fill in the blanks. One hour a week session. One hour a week that they spend time in their quote unquote discipleship class. I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying any of that's bad. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's mm-hmm. helped people. Um, and that's, that's good. Any kind of Bible teaching that you're doing is a good thing. I'm not saying it's not. What I am saying is it may not necessarily actually be discipleship. Discipleship is when you are investing yourself into somebody else, one-on-one preferably. Um, so when the most effective conversations that Jesus had were the conversations that he had with one individual or just two, maybe three individuals. When he did the very special particular things where he had teachable moments with people all throughout scripture, who do you have with him? Those conversations were between him and Peter. They were between him and James and John. Sometimes they were between him, Peter, James, and John. But those small groups, those were the influential conversations that Jesus had. The two largest sermons in scripture were preached to 12 men. Just 12, Mm -hmm. not the whole crowd, 
not the entire Sunday sermon group, just a private, small, intimate group of men that he knew very well, and they knew him very well. If you're just teaching, and you know, a lot of churches will have a new believers class, and they'll have them go through and they'll teach them about baptism and the Lord's Supper and um, reading your Bible and prayer and um, all of that's good. Um, but when they graduated out of that new believers class, typically they're just thrust into the rest of the church. And they're in there with people who have been to church for 50 years, who know all the ins and outs, the right things to say, the wrong things to say, and they become uncomfortable and they get lost in that crowd. And we wonder why our turnover rate's so bad. Well, I believe it's because those people don't have a personal connection with another believer in that church, someone who's willing to feed them the milk until they're ready for the meat and, and, and bring them along. Yeah, that's good. Thank you for clarifying that for me. So in this idea of transfer of life and this investment of life, you know, Simeon and I have talked a lot about how it is important to us to leave a legacy for our children and our grandchildren and generations to come. Um, you know, you, you see kind of that precedent in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament of them, you know, provide even, even financially and, and possessions, having that legacy to pass down through their children. And, but, but we're talking here about a spiritual legacy that we want to pass down. And, you know, I, I love traditions. I'm all about traditions in our home. We have birthday traditions and Christmas traditions and different things that we do. And we love to have fun. We love to have family days and have vacations and different things. And I hope that when our kids leave our home and as they have children and they reflect on their childhood, I hope that those are memories that will come up often um, as special things that they treasure and that they hold dear. But, you know, that is not going to to carry four, five, six, however many generations God tarries his coming. And that's not what we want to be the main thing that is passed down. We hope to leave a spiritual legacy for our children and grandchildren and generations to come. And so much of that, I believe, is accomplished through this element of discipleship in parenting. And I think about leaving the spiritual legacy Okay, that, that sounds like a big goal. What does that mean? And it comes back again to this idea of discipleship. It is a transfer of the life of Christ, the life that Christ is forming in us as we mature in our spiritual walk with Christ, as we are conformed more into his image. We are transferring the life of Christ in us into our children as they are with us, as they walk with us, as they rise and, and go to sleep with us in our lives, that transfer of the spiritual life, the spiritual maturity in us into them. And, and Lord willing, I pray that that will, will pass down into their kids and into, you know, their kids' kids. And that is the legacy that we are hoping as parents that we can pass down. That is the discipleship model, really, that transfer of the life of Christ. And that is, and you know, we may touch on this a little bit later, 
and talking about what is the product of discipleship, what is the goal. But so much of the goal of discipleship is to have what what Christ talks about in the Bible is fruit that remains. You know, it is amazing how God has designed the Christian life. You know, and we, we think of some of the great heroes of the faith, heroes of old that were alive hundreds of years ago, but they are still receiving fruit to their account because of the spiritual legacy that they left. And how did they leave an impacting spiritual legacy? They left it through this disciple model of, hey, come with me, learn with me. As Christ is formed in me, you know, the Bible talks about how we are responsible for the light that we are given. We must act upon that light. We can't be a sponge and just soak it all in and hold it in. That's not why, that's not why God is giving us this knowledge of him. Yes, he wants to conform our lives to his image. Yes, he wants to transform us but it's not to stop there. We are commanded through discipleship to pass that on to other people and for them to pass that on, to teach this model of discipleship. And just kind of wrapping this idea of just this transfer of life, bringing that back to parenting, connecting parenting and discipleship. This is, this is where it connects as we pray that God will enable us to leave this spiritual legacy for our kids and this legacy that will reach generations that we won't even know that, that stem from us, that this will be the impact that our lineage has is this, this Christ being formed in us, passed down to our children, passed down, passed down, passed down. Yeah. And, and when you're passing that on to the next generation, when Jesus talks about fruit, he talks about fruit, more fruit and much fruit. He lists them in that order. Fruit would be, you know, perhaps somebody that you were able to win to Christ. Much fruit would be seeing that person begin to bear fruit in their life. And then or the, the more fruit would be seeing them bear fruit in their life. And then the much fruit, again, is the second and third generation of people who have been won to Christ, who have been discipled and are continuing to bear fruit in their life. That would be like you as a fruit-bearing tree, bearing fruit that falls off that tree. It rolls down the hill. It gets planted. And now there's two trees. And those two trees begin to bear fruit. Now you got more fruit. Then you got much fruit. And that's what Jesus wants to see in our lives. So many of us are focused on witnessing to the neglect of discipleship. And I think that's a mistake. That's a, it's a huge mistake because you're, you're, you're planting saplings that don't ever produce fruit for themselves. I think, too, so many of us as parents are concerned with we see ministry as something that occurs outside the walls of our home mm -hmm. we separate it's almost like at home we have life and outside we have ministry and while god gives us many ministry opportunities outside the walls of our home really so much of our ministry and of this lasting legacy that we'll have is directly connected to what happens within the walls of our home. Mm -hmm. Circling back around again, we want our children to have a fun childhood with lots of memories, but more than that, we want our children to have a deep abiding relationship with Christ that bears much fruit. And, and all of that is, is linked to, our responsibility, again, our stewardship of the truth that God has put in our hearts. And I feel like I use the word intentional so often, but for lack of a better word, I, I come back to this idea that as parents, this, this whole discipleship mentality, this discipleship way of looking at our home and our relationship with our children really requires an intentionality to it. It requires us as the parents or, or even in a, in a discipleship relationship outside of the home, us as the discipler, as the believer, 
we have to be pouring truth into our hearts so that we have a well to draw from as we speak to others. Um, but, but even bringing it back home, back to parenting, you know, our, our kids are going to listen to us to one degree, but they see us live to a whole nother level. And I think we just need to be very careful um, as, as we look at this long-term goal of wanting to leave this spiritual legacy, of wanting kids and grandkids and, and generations to come who love Christ and who serve Christ and that our relationship with Christ affects them. We really need to be, again, intentional about our relationship with Christ and letting it be a real faith. It's not just something I teach. It's not just something I talk about. This is something that I live day in and day out. And that, for me, that requires a constant keeping my heart in tune with Christ. I've heard many people say that their first ministry or your first ministry ought to be to your home. I, and I, I was talking to Pastor Stewart about this one day, and he said he doesn't actually think that that's true, and it kind of shocked me. And he said what, what, it, what it is is the ministry. If the ministry is teaching God's Word, then you're always just doing the ministry. You don't have a first, second, or third ministry. Your ministry is always to teach God's Word wherever it is that you are, whatever it is that you're doing. When you're home, that means that God's Word is being taught in your life, through your life, to your children, to your wife, to your spouse, to you know, whoever happens to be in your home. That's why hospitality is such a big deal, because then you can minister God's Word to people from within your own home. Mm -hmm. Ministry is something that happens 24 hours a day, whether you're a pastor or you're a fireman or you're a, a deacon or you're a layman. It, it doesn't matter. That's something that should be happening 24 hours a day, every single day to whoever is around. That being said, who should you be spending your time with? That's your wife and your kids. So in that respect, sure, your first ministry is to your family, but ministry is something that should be happening all the time. But on that, we're not saying that you need to beat your kids over the head with the Bible all day, every day. You know, that that's not what we're talking about either, even in being intentional in parenting. It's not this just, oh, every moment of every day we need to be digging deep into the word. No, but a life that is doused in Christ yes. won't be able to help but to refer to Christ in all things. And I recently did an episode on my podcast, Ladies for You Listening, a life infused with Christ, how that Christ and the life that he is forming, it just, it, it, it infuses, it permeates into every aspect of our being. So it's not this unnatural you know, structured, okay, for this 30 minutes, we do Bible time, close the Bible, and then we transition to the rest of our life. No, Jesus Christ is so interwoven into the very fabric of our home that it is just natural that this teaching, this investment, this transfer of life, what we are learning about Christ naturally flows into our home and into our children because it's such a, a fluid aspect of our home, of our relationships. Um, Christ is as present in our home as the children that are sitting around our table. He is as welcome in our home as those that we love dearest on this earth. And, and together we, we pursue a, a deeper knowledge and a deeper relationship and walk with Jesus Christ. That, that's what we're talking about when we talk about this continual investment, this, con, this continual um, learning and discipling our families. So that as you're discipling your family, you're bringing your children along, your children are growing physically. 
Mm -hmm. right? They're going from being babies, then they become toddlers. That's a lot of fun. We're doing that right now. <laughs> then they become... Did you say that with sarcasm? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, some, sometimes with sarcasm, sometimes I'm being serious. Ivy's uh, a blast right now. Um, but so, so they have the toddler stage, <laughs> then they have the, um, you know, where they're just a little bit older. They're not toddlers, but they're not quite children. And there's some kind of weird in between and become children. And, and yeah, I guess preschoolers just, I don't know all these terms, but um, and then, you know, then you get the dreaded junior high school years and the high school years and you, you go all the way through all of that. And eventually the idea is they become adults, right? Mm -hmm. And a successful parent in the eyes of anybody who's using their brain is somebody who has parented a child to the point where that child can take care of himself. Mm -hmm. Wrong. Mm. That child <laughs> not only should be able to take care of himself, but he should be able to take care of other people, Right. So recently, um, I heard somebody somebody say that the difference between a boy and a man is that a boy has learned how to take care of himself, but a man has learned how to take care of others. Mm -hmm. Okay, a man learned how to provide for a family. He's learned how to provide for a wife. He's figured out how to provide for children, whatever that means for his family. Okay, so he's not just providing for himself. I I work with I, or I used to work I should say um, with a lot of thirty five to forty year old boys who could not still take care of anybody who either still lived with mom or they live by themselves. Yeah. They could take care of themselves. They couldn't take care of anybody else. That's a person who hasn't come to full maturity. They don't know how to be selfless. Okay. So a parent has succeeded as a parent when they have got that child to the point, at least physically succeeded as a parent when that, when that child can take care of themselves and they can also take care of others. Now, spiritually, what does a mature child of mine look like? Mm -hmm. What does success as a parent look like on the spiritual plane? Because God has created us body, soul, and spirit. Right. Their body is going to mature if they are a healthy human being, whether, you know, we try to stop that or not, they're going to grow up. Yeah. So but in the soul, yes. in the soul is the intellect, the emotion, and the will. Mm -hmm. Okay. That grows as well. Mm-hmm. When I was a child, I thought as a child, I spoke as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things, right? So that's talking about the soul. I'm thinking I'm speaking childishly when I'm a child because my, my mental processes have not developed enough. That's where we're at right now. We're trying to help <laughs> right. the emotional yeah, side mature. Yeah. Trying to explain to a child that if they wait five minutes, breakfast will be ready, you know? <laughs> um, but that develops that happens somewhat just plain naturally, and you can develop the mental aspects of a child. But we are body. Body is developing on its own naturally. A healthy child is going to develop into adult over the years all on its own. Mentally, that one takes a little bit more effort. You got to put them in school. You got to work with them. You got to help them. You got to give them the drive, inspire them. That's the will. Well, real quick, as far as mentally, just something that crossed my mind is part of some of that develops on its own as well, whether we are intentional in investing in right. steering and maturing, um, because a lot of emotional and intellect and will is shaped by culture. Right. Um, but I think as as spiritually minded parents seeking to disciple our children, it is important that we don't lean on culture to help mature mm -hmm. in that area. Um, obviously, the longer we go, the farther our culture gets from anything that would even resemble truth. Right. Um, 
you know, so we, we are having this culture of just lack of control of emotions. And, and I'm not going to dive too deep into that, but in just talking about that, I, you know, just the, the realization that as parents striving for discipling our kids to Christ likeness, it is important that we, it, it requires sacrifice. It doesn't just happen. The body, I mean, yeah, we need to feed them, but it, the body's going to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, this idea of the of the intellect and the emotion and will, that will develop some on its own, but we, we need to have a very active part if it is going to be spiritually mature mm-hmm. in, in that area. But then the last one bid would be... Would be the, the, spirit. the spirit. So a tier one parent is a parent whose child did not die before they became an adult. Okay. <laughs> a tier one parent is a parent who successfully raised the body. All right. And someday. And let that's me tell you, that's a do. miracle. <laughs> Any child that makes it without getting run over by a bus or whatever is a miracle. Tier two parent is a parent who has invested in their child's education. That's a parent who has inspired their child to work hard. That's developed the will within them. Um, a parent that asks God for the patience to help develop the emotion because right. it, it requires And there are patience. some worldly people who successfully are tier two parents without mm-hmm. the aid of Jesus Christ. Now, obviously, they have failed in some ways, um, in many ways, most likely without the aid of Jesus Christ. But there are people who have developed children bodily and in soul that have drive, um, and some of those have drive in the wrong direction. All right? But they have raised their tier two parent. They've raised a body. They've raised a soul. Now, a tier three parent is one who has intentionally raised that child, body, soul, and spirit. Mm -hmm. Now, the scripture talks quite a bit about the spiritual growth of a person. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, I won't read that verse um, for sake of time, but you can look that up on your own. 1 Peter 2, 2, it talks about newborn babes desiring the sincere milk of the word. So that is obviously stage one. That's a baby. That's someone who just got saved. They know nothing. Maybe they've been in church their whole life, but they've never put anything into practice as a believer. They are a babe in Christ. The difference between the body and the spirit is that a person can stay a babe in Christ for their entire Christian life Mm -hmm. if they don't get fed. Okay. But They are meant to grow. Christ wants us to develop fully into maturity. So they started as a babe. If you look at 1 John in chapter number 2, listen to this. I'm just going to skip through these verses, but I want you to hear this. Verse number 12, I write unto you little children. Verse number 13, I write unto you fathers. Verse 13, I write unto you young men. Verse 13, I write unto you little children. Verse 14, I write unto you fathers. Verse 14, I write unto you young men. Are you getting it? He's speaking to children, young men, fathers. And this isn't specifically only addressing age. It's not talking about age at all, actually, in this passage. Because he says, I write unto you children because you've overcome the wicked one, Satan. What have children done to overcome Satan? Well, physical children haven't done anything to overcome Satan. Spiritual children have overcome Satan by accepting Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Okay? So we've got babes, we've got young, we've got children, we've got young men, it says, who've overcome the wicked one. Those are ones who've conquered um, and are doing battle actively for Satan. And then, or, or with Satan, I should say. And then you have fathers. Now what's a father? What's the difference between a young man and a father? A child, right? 
The difference between a young man and a father is a child. That's someone who has reproduced and is reproducing. And the amazing thing about what he says to fathers here, and he says it to them, uh, to the fathers, both times he says this to the fathers, he says, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. So that wraps us all the way back to Mark chapter three, where he called the disciples unto him that they would be with him, right? So someone who is spending their time with Christ, developing their relationship with Jesus Christ, will eventually reproduce and they will continue to walk with Christ. He writes unto those fathers because they have been with Christ. And so there are levels of spiritual growth. Now, what on earth does any of that have to do with parenting? Here's what it has to do with parenting. You're raising that body. You're raising that soul. You're responsible for raising that spirit. Mm -hmm. The question is, when that child leaves your home, are they ready to become fathers? Not physically, spiritually. Or have they already become fathers spiritually? The spiritual growth of a person has very little to do with the physical growth of a person. You can have a teenager who has reproduced time and time and time again and is continuing to reproduce spiritually. They may not physically be ready to do that, but spiritually they can be doing that. You can also have an 85-year-old man who's still a babe in Christ. So when your child leaves your home a successful, a tier three successful parent, which we have not had the opportunity to do this yet, but a tier three, according to scripture, a tier three successful parent is someone who is obviously that child has survived. They've made it. They're alive. They've made it in body. They have made it in soul. They have intellect. They've been taught. They've been trained. They've been through school. They have the drive, intellect, emotion, will. They're sturdy emotionally. They're not all over the place. But they also have become mature in the spirit. You've taken the time to teach them. As a babe, they needed the simple stuff, the easy stuff, the bottom shelf stuff. Jesus loves you, you know, he is with you, he indwells you. You Now that you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in you, this very simple stuff. But as they grow, you continue to invest in them. Now, let me put it to you this way. If you're not a spiritual father, you can't raise one. Mm -hmm. Okay, you have to be there yourself. So, and none of us are all there. None of us have arrived, right? And so you've got to make sure that you're there yourself as a parent. And, and it is a process, this discipleship, this growing in Christ. I mean, from the day of salvation till the day God calls us home, it is a continual process of the, the, like we said, the transfer of the life of the eternal one into us, of continuing to conform into the image of Christ. So you don't have to wait until you feel like you, you have got this perfect knowledge and you know, understanding of the Bible to start transferring truth. But hey, as God reveals truth to you, teach it to your kids. As God is working in you, teach it to your kids. You know, this is something God is working on me about, even how we talked about how you can't teach truth, but not model truth. You know, life, life brings its ebbs and flows. It brings its, its different circumstances. And, you know, as a parent, my kids are watching me. 24 seven. And I need to not just speak 
like a mature individual, I need to act as a mature individual. And that really, that, that comes from this abiding in Christ. Let me tell you, the number one fruit of the Spirit for a parent is temperance. It's a tough one. That's a tough cookie. You know, most um, Bible translations translate that word temperance as self-control. I believe that's a bad translation. The word temperance does not mean self-control. The word temperance means spirit control. It's a fruit of the spirit. It's not a fruit of the flesh. Self-control would be a fruit, fruit, a fruit of the flesh. Mm. Nothing you can do in and of yourself is going to obtain anything but destruction. The best that we can do, according to Jesus Christ, is filthy rags, right? So if that's true, then temperance is being controlled by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means a whole lot of patience, which is not something that I'm very good at. Yeah, and let me, I mean, for my audience, but I think this can be adaptable for any audience. But let me encourage you, if you're listening to this and feeling a little overwhelmed, like it is taking all of my energy, all of my willpower and brain power to be a tier one parent right now. How can I even contemplate being a tier two or a tier three? And, and, we are living some of those days. You know, we have some days where we're like, man, we accomplished all tears. And then there are some tears where we're like, did we f- feed the kids all three meals today? Yeah. But, but let me just encourage you, discipleship isn't accomplished in a day or in a week or in a month. Again, this is a, a transfer of life, which it, it takes time. It takes time physically for that maturing process. You know, there's a reason why God designed for the, our kids to be in our home for roughly 18 years or however long that works out to be. But my, my encouragement is as, as a parent, as a believer, invest in your own spiritual walk have that life that abides in Christ. Let Christ transform your life and then be be active and intentional about passing that on to the people that God puts in your path. Obviously, your spouse and your children are in your path. Beyond that, other believers, other non-believers that you can win to Christ and disciple. Um, but, but just to remember to stay encouraged, to take the long look and realize patience is required in this process, but the people that we are discipling, whether they are a physical babe or a spiritual babe, they they won't be a babe forever. There will there is a growing process, and it's something that has to be done intentionally. And we mm-hmm. talked about it at the beginning of the podcast about how discipleship can't be a class because it's not something that can be done individually or intentionally. It has to be done one on one. Your children cannot be taught by osmosis. It, 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 they'll pick up a lot. And we've talked about how the kids watch you. They absolutely do watch you and they pick up a whole lot of stuff. But they are not going to become a spiritual people just because they watched you be a spiritual person. And we're seeing that time and time again in, in Simeonized generation and in generations coming where when kids are getting to this adulthood, to this what we should see as spiritual maturing time where they are ready to launch out and be re- a reproducing Christian, they're doing the exact opposite. They're abandoning the faith that they were raised on. And I, I mean, guys, we haven't raised our kids. We, we are learning and and following Christ. But, but what we're trying to share with you is not our recipe for successful parenting and discipleship. This is straight from God's word, what God has illumined to us as, as he is 
teaching us about this discipleship model, but so much of the desire for our kids to have a real faith is going to come from just living real life with them, showing them Christ transforming power in our lives, trying to teach that to them and, and bring them along in this maturing process. It takes real time. It takes spending time with them as a group. Yes. Individually. Yes. But spending intentional time parenting them to Jesus. Well, and we need to wrap this up, but two things I want to mention as Christ was discipling his disciples, as he was investing and teaching those 12 Two of the most common ways that I see from scripture that he taught them the lessons that would give them a real faith was by asking them questions time and time again, Christ asked questions and by giving them them pictures and story illustrations. We see that in the parables and, and so much of that is parenting just converse with your kids. How do we help them develop in the, in these areas of maturity Talk with your kids, converse, you know, have dinner as a family. Let it be more than just scarfing down food and running off to the next activity. Talk, spend that time, let them, let them hear you, let them, and you know, we, we want to be sensitive and not, you know, bring our kids into adult conversations. But if you're struggling, if you have a prayer request, let them in and see glimpses of Christ working in your life. Ask them questions and not just yes or no questions. You know, get deep. Really try to get them thinking, get them processing through things. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's it. That's really all it is. Jesus called them to be with him. They spent that time with him. When he asked them questions, he said, you know, hey, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they were expected to answer, you know, Peter answered a good one that time. Um, and when they didn't answer a good one, Christ was there to say, okay, let me, let me align your thinking to my thinking. Right. And Christ complimented Peter and encouraged him when he did answer it right, you know? Um, and then, you know, he, they passed the fig tree, the fig tree is dead. Jesus uses that as an opportunity to teach those men something. Everything, every time that we're spending time with our kids, we have an opportunity to do something, to teach them something, whether that be something physical, just to gain more of a relationship with that child, or to teach them something spiritual to help them um, spiritually as well as physically. So the goal that is that when that child leaves your home, they can not only feed themselves physically and spiritually, they've learned how to feed themselves, they've learned how to grow in their own spiritual walk and they're learning things and that's good. And that, that is a, a parent who's done a pretty good job. They've taught that kid how to feed themselves spiritually, physically and, you know, and spiritually. But the goal is not that they can feed themselves physically and spiritually. The goal is that they can feed others physically and spiritually. And Christ is the perfect example, but we are not going to be the perfect parents. So I do think it is important for us to have a humble heart. We're going to mess up. And as parents, we need to not just glaze over that because we are the authority. I think it gives our kids a good opportunity to learn of Christ and learn of our growth when we are quick to acknowledge and, and, and ask them for forgiveness. Say, hey, I, I messed up here, but I want to get my heart back in tune with Christ and I want to correct 
you know, something that, that might've went wrong between us. And I think that even in this discipleship model, that's a good way for your kids to see, Hey, mom and dad aren't perfect, but they are trying to be more and more like Christ. Yeah. And you can teach your child how to fail gracefully, (laughs) you know, and what to do when you do fail, because it's inevitable. We're all going to mess up. Yeah. But how, how do we handle that? That's what all of this discipleship is. Again, the transfer of life, you know, when, when we're following Christ, how, how do you follow Christ? How do you conform into his image? How do you live a life that is radically changed by Christ? But also what happens when, when you get sidetracked or distracted or you allow sin to enter into your life as David, you know, when, when David encountered his sin, how, how did he get his heart back on the path? And, and in so many aspects of life, whether it's a good example or a bad example, it's a call to be, to be with Christ and as our children are with us to model this example for them. All right. So I think that's everything we've got. So we'll call that a wrap. We thank you all for joining us for both podcast groups for listening in. Um, again, you can find uh, my podcast at General Order 4. And Brittany? My podcast is No Higher Calling. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of General Order 4. On next week's episode, we'll be talking about discipling with grace and truth. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us by email at generalorder4 at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R. Or on Twitter at General Order the number 4. Please like, share, comment, and subscribe.